Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. Welcome to Playful Podcast, your guide into the underground scene where we discover topics on kink and electronic music every week. Don't forget to subscribe to not miss out on our next episode. Paulita Pappel is a Madrid-born feminist filmmaker, producer and actor. She moved to Berlin for porn, obviously, in 2005 and ever since her name has been popping up everywhere in the scene. Today she's one of the founders of Lustry.com, which is a platform where real-life couples film their sex lives and share it with the community. She's also started hard work, which is a little bit more hardcore. In porn, she's been both behind and in front of the camera. And in our conversation, we get to know why she chose to work within the field and also a lot about her entrepreneurial skills, her struggles along the way and her best advices for someone who's curious to join the scene, either in front of or behind the camera. And I've said, let's speak to Paulita. I am Amanda and this is Playful Podcast. Yeah, okay, I'm so excited to have you here, first of all. And... Uh, to dive right in, you were just saying that you, yeah, it's obviously really dark outside for yes. anyone who can see. So it's late at, not night, but it's evening time. And you just finished up some work that you told me about that is comes from people like like shaming so basically, masturbation. yeah, or, exactly. Or basically, is it is our answer to this whole movement, or I don't even want to call it movement, to this whole lobby. It's a religious lobby, really, that is telling people that porn is bad and they should quit watching porn and they should quit masturbating altogether. And the whole idea is that if you quit masturbating, you're going to become an alpha male and there's so many parts of your life that are going to be in haze. And it's really a lot of bullshit. And I think it's really... It's really dangerous even like because it's been proven that people that are actually struggling with porn, um, you know, they think they have to quit altogether and they don't manage. And then they, they it brings us in a very dark place. So in order to counteract this whole narrative um, from last year, what we're doing is we're creating a course that is going to be called How to Watch Porn. And basically it's an eight lesson workshop where you learn about porn, like what is it? Uh, and we dismantle some negative myths that there are around porn, things like... What are some? So, for example, um, you know, there's this idea that if you masturbate too much to porn, uh, that then that has a negative impact in your life, in your sexual life with others. Because then, like, you cannot 
um, orgasm, for example, with like what they call quote unquote normal sex, right? And this is like a stupid, I mean, in my opinion, (laughs) it's very problematic because it's like A, presupposing that there's a right or wrong way of having sex, which I don't think there is. And I think, I mean, if you... I don't, I cannot even understand it because I don't understand what is the right way for them then. Well, I think that, you know, a lot of people see sex as like, you know, like the perfect sex would be, would be the one where you have penis in vagina, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's like, and then you should orgasm together. <laughs> At the right? same time. At the same time, simultaneously. <laughs> okay. And, you so know, that's... this is like a complete erroneous ideal that I think we have from also from non-pornographic films like romantic comedies like every time you see a sex scene in there like the perfect sex scene it's like that it's like really quick penis and vagina penetration simultaneous orgasm and then day after they're there with their blankets over their breasts right and I think we have these ideas and then we think that you know that other things like masturbation that that's that there's that's something like there's a hierarchy like there's real sex and then there's masturbation which is like I don't know. There's like a second, second layer or something. A little bit guilt. Yeah. Even I remember. I think I already did. I tell you this weekend. I don't know. Anyway, like when I was uh, like four years old, I found the mas- massage um, uh, device. Yeah. That my parents had for their back or shoulders I guess but I was like <laughs> that's Ooh. what they told you <laughs> <laughs> exactly that's what they told me uh, but uh, I found better need for it and I was so young but then I was obviously then they had it in their bedroom and I was there and I was borrowing it and my dad walked in on me mm-hmm. and he was like Amanda what are you doing and I was like I'm massaging my vagina you know and and he was like Okay, and he left and he was laughing so much down the stairs, you know. I didn't know. I just knew it felt good, whatever yeah. I did. It's you so know? accurate, though. I mean, mm. for a four-year-old, you'd be like, I'm massaging my vagina. Exactly. It's actually pretty <laughs> informed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that's what I did. Yeah. But um, yeah, but already there I knew like, okay, this was something weird or like that was not natural or normal or, you know. Mm. Um. And I think everyone has some kind of experience in their lives mm-hmm. that has been like that. A moment where they, as you know, young people, we felt, okay, there's something about this that is either wrong or weird mm-hmm. or like, you know, something to laugh about or to feel ashamed. And I think that's when we're developing all of these feelings of, of shame around our own bodies and sexuality. Exactly, yeah. And that is horrible. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Like no one spoke to me about it afterwards mm-hmm. until I like had to like find it out on my own ways like through magazines or whatever but that yeah. was pretty bad also the education has been like not so great but it's i really definitely bad. understand the feeling of uh feeling guilty after masturbating and that's mm-hmm. also something i did for years after this happened i don't do it today thankfully i've come long far more far away but i definitely did it until i was like maybe even maybe even 18 or 20 mm-hmm. yeah and i think it's so normal it's so it's so sad to mm-hmm. think that you know masturbation which is a part of like a, a very healthy part of our sexualities or can be mm. uh, it's so like makes us so miserable mm. like it's horrible it's something that should make you feel good that should you know help you feel good in your body and accept your body and 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 celebrate what your body can give you for pleasure and instead of that, we're having all of these weird associations that are making us feel bad. And you said, I remember us speaking uh, last week about 
uh, that there are advertisements that are shaming masturbation and and these things on the porn platforms on mostly on educational platforms as well mm-hmm. so basically there this this idea that porn is bad is so pervasive that in very many mainstream platforms that are not you know they're not necessarily uh, like religious or have any alignment with any religious organization or anything they still allow for all of these discourses. I mean, there's, there's, if you go on Udemy, which is an online, like educational online platform, and you Google, or not Google, but you search for porn, you'll find like over 100 courses telling you how to quit porn. And half of these courses are literally priests with their priest suits saying porn is a sin, masturbation is a sin, you know, God is going to punish you, you need to quit, you know? And it's like, whoa, this is, and this is okay, you know? But you search for apprehensive, like inclusive, you know, good information and resources on like how to watch porn in a way that is healthy and good for you, there's none. And that's a problem, you know, I think yeah. if it would be balanced and we're lacking is what you're saying, like where is the educational resources, not only for young people, but for adults to like, you know, have a better understanding of what porn is, of what the industry looks like and of how you can use porn for your own pleasure for your own sexual self-care practice in a way mm. that is good for you because there's no right or wrong about it mm. it's just well what is good for you you know and we yeah. don't learn to like ask ourselves these questions i mean we do because you know we're really interested in the topic but so many people like they just you know you hear in media so much misinformation uh and then you just you, you, if you don't think about it too much you just have this somehow this vague idea that there's something wrong with it yeah and you don't question it so much until Maybe someone comes like us and it's like, no, but actually think about it. Why do you have, where have you learned that porn is bad? Mm. Like, how do you know? Or like, what, you know, what does that even mean? And what do you actually feel when you watch porn? If you take away the part that where you've learned that it should, that you should feel bad. Yeah. So what are some of the, like, you said it's like an eight step course you're doing. Yeah. What are some of the steps? So the very first step is understanding consent, like the principle of consent. So we use this acronym from uh, Planned Parenthood that is, it's FRIES. I don't know if you know it. It's like, you know, consent should always be freely, let me get it right, freely given, uh, reversible, informed, uh, embodied, and specific, which is basically a really good way of understanding like what it means for, for for a person to actually give consent, you know? And we apply that to porn. And I think it's just, this is really crucial because what we do is we say, okay, if we apply the principle of consent in order to define porn, then it's really easy for us to separate between, you know, porn that has been created between involving consenting adults or any other kind of depiction or recording of a sexual act that was not either not recorded with consent or not distributed with consent or even, I mean, worst case scenario that is actually recording like a sexual crime or something. Mm -hmm. And I think all of these things, usually people use the word pornography, you know, as in like child pornography or revenge porn. And I think that's super problematic because it's not porn. It's, there's other words for it. It's like, you can call it image-based sexual abuse in in the case of revenge porn or in, the case of so-called child pornography, I even like shudder saying that word. It's uh, it's called, the, the appropriate term is child, uh, CSAM, is child sexual abuse material, you know, and we need 
to be calling these things by its name in order to prosecute them properly. And I think it's really important to make this distinction between like their staff, that's just illegal stuff, it's bad. It is illegal already. Like we don't need new laws for it. It's already bad, you know, and we need to prosecute it. And then there is porn that is something that is created with consent. Mm. What do you think about that? I, I, I think it's brilliant. Like this is actually a discussion that I've been having with people, also family members. You know, I was home uh, with my family the whole month of September mm. and I feel that many of my uh, friends, my friends are supporting me for sure. Otherwise, they wouldn't be my friends. But family, you you don't get rid of that easily. <laughs> but uh, also, they they can be very much like, yeah, uh, questioning what we're doing and the angle we're having. Like, why do you let uh, people promote their sexual uh, like um, work? through your platform and these things you know judgy and they are like comparing us to to uh, not like they they don't respect really the way we're angling our work yeah if say so i really relate to that yeah like, i mean i grew up in a context where you know i was raised as a feminist mm. and i've always been a feminist and i i'm still am and i will always be you know <laughs> but like the way i was a feminist before when i was like 15 16 years old is I thought porn is bad. I thought sex work, or I didn't even know the word for sex work. I thought prostitution was bad, right? And I thought it was a tool of the patriarchy to exploit people. Uh, and I really believed it. And I would like argue to death, like shout and be like, never, a woman would sell How her old body. were you then? Like 15, 16. Mm. Yeah, it was, I was really, I mean, it was really Living in Madrid. Yes, living in Madrid, being so I was I've been always been a political person. Like I've always been having discussions with my, you know, within school and being like I, I don't know, everything from abortion to, to LGBT topics. Like I was always like, you know, championing them and, and being a making a big mess out of it. Um and I felt very strongly about this whole porn thing. Um you know, up to the point where now I think back and I realize like, okay, I had clearly a conflict in myself because I I was fascinated by the idea of porn, you know, but I knew like I knew quote unquote because people had taught me porn is bad. And then I really felt like, oh, there's something really wrong within me. And I think a lot of these like, you know, uh, attitudes like that are very negative against something. I'm always like, What's behind that? <laughs> you know, because if you feel so strongly about this, I'm like, what is it that makes it so personally emotional for you? And obviously I can't speak for anyone else, but for me, clearly it was like I was a very sexual, curious person. Um, you know, I wanted I wanted to be and live like a free sexuality, and I couldn't. And there was a lot of things that were telling me, like, no, this is wrong, this is wrong. Um and that's why it was so conflictive. And that's why I came to Berlin. <laughs> okay. Wow. I want to hear more about that. Did you watch porn? How was your, you know? Yeah, I did not watch porn. Funny enough. I I was fascinated by the idea of porn. And I was maybe even a little bit obsessed with the idea of playing in porn. But I didn't watch porn. I didn't masturbate neither. This is also a fun fact. <laughs> oh, wow. How old yeah. were you when you started? I mean, I tried, I mean, I knew like masturbation is good or what I learned that masturbation was good and I was like promoting it. And I, I did masturbate like in porn when I was performing as a, as a performer in porn. 
And, you know, it was nice, but it wasn't really something that I would do in private. And I didn't really know how to do it properly with my own body. I got and bored. this is years later. This is, this is, okay, this is almost embarrassing, but I, I think I said because I, they, like recently I met another porn performer that is kind of my age. Uh, and she kind of confessed to me that she never masturbated until like a couple of years back. So like when she was in her 30s. And I was like, oh my God, me too. Oh, <laughs> so wow. I think I'm not the only, like, no, I'm not the only one. But what's what's amazing is that a new world is opening up for you. Totally. Like, and I agree great. I'm like, oh damn, all those years lost. <laughs> <laughs> but wow, that's yeah. really interesting. It's really funny. So mm -hmm. I think that's the reason why I didn't watch porn like privately. I started watching porn in Berlin when I came and I met you know, porn positive feminist people. Okay, okay, just stopping a little bit. Okay. Because now uh, you were in Madrid, you were, we're still a little bit stuck in the story, in the part of the story where you are like active ag and against porn yeah. and this topic. So how did it change? So I knew I had to get out of there. I mean, I was 17. I hated everything and everyone and myself and whatnot, you know, as you do as a teenager. And I had been in Berlin because I was very lucky. I went with a, with a class um, in the school trip. And at the moment I put a feet in Berlin, I was like, I have to come here. Like, this is the place to be. I couldn't tell you why, but I was like, I belong here. And then I finished school and I came to Berlin. <laughs> and I still had my strong you ideas. You were like 18. 17. 17. Yeah. Oh, wow. I was, I was the very first time in Berlin. I was 17. Oh, wow. The baby. Yeah. The baby. Yeah. yeah, really baby. Anyway, I, I was lucky and, you know, privileged enough that I could st uh, study here. So I started studying and I took a lot of like gender uh, mainstreaming. It was, it, was, it was called back then gender mainstreaming courses. And I had two teachers, two professors that I, <clears throat> that I really looked up to. They were, they were this feminist woman and I thought they were really cool. And this whole, you know, gender topic was really new to me and really exciting. And in one, class it was not the topic of the class but there was something about whatever and you know as a side note she one of these teachers said something about sex work in a positive way mm -hmm. and I was like wait what like you know like my like my world was breaking together I was like oh, these are these feminist people and they're talking positive about prostitution they were supposed to be smart yeah I was like <laughs> what is it but then I was like but there was something you know and then I went after class I went to them and I was like can I can I ask you something? And I was really like, oh, I need an answer for this. Like my life depends on this right now. And I asked them and they were like, yeah, of course not. You know, it's actually prostitution. It's, you know, it's called also sex work. It can be, or it is mostly, uh, no, uh, just work and a decision. And it needs to be separated from, you know, other other kinds of exploitation or something else, but blah, blah, blah. And they gave me a magazine, I remember Pro Familia. It's like a German magazine that was talking positively about that. And then suddenly everything made sense, you know, suddenly it, like all the conflict that I had within me being like, I'm fascinated, but everything related to like sex and sexual services, but I think it's really wrong. And I think like I'm wrong. And suddenly it was like, no, there's nothing wrong about it. Yeah. So I was, I was, my mind was blown, you mm -hmm. know, I was like, finally I could actually accept myself and be like, okay, what do I do with this now? You know, all my life I had been fighting against it and trying to like push it away and be like, no, this is something wrong. And the moment that I was like, or maybe it's not wrong. Mm. We just need to look at it and decide what to do with it. Then suddenly a whole world opened. And then I was like, okay, I need to, I need to perform in porn. Explore this. Explore this. Yeah. Okay. And did you already know the porn industry 
no. by this time or you had no like I mean I in Berlin nothing. no I knew nothing really mm. no but it went really fast that obviously when you search for something especially in Berlin something sexual you'll find it right um and I met I heard from a friend that there was this um Swedish filmmaker actually Marit Östberg um who was casting for a new film and she was a feminist filmmaker and she was doing porn feminist porn I was like, okay, this is where I belong again. <laughs> so I, I basically, I wrote to her and I was like, I want to perform in your film. And we met and she was amazingly supportive. And, you know, she was like, are you sure you want to do this? Because you're quite young. I mean, I wasn't even that young. I was like 21. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. But for her, she was like, you know, you need to understand that this might have an impact in your later life and so on. And I was so crystal clear. I was like, listen, I want to live in a world where porn is fine and we're performing in porn does not have a negative impact in your life and if this is the way we're living i want to do porn and i want to change that world mic Ooh. drop <laughs> yeah and then you left and then i left the room <laughs> no, no but yeah and then they performed in her film and it was really fun yeah were yes. you not nervous i was super nervous and for some really weird reason and not even a master at uh masturbating no, so it's no. like but i guess you learned or like you were watching like you did your research i guess also or i, I have to say I almost mostly went with the flow i think um yeah i was so lucky to have like really amazing people like the first two performers that i was working with was matt kate and um not sure the porn name of the second performer, so I'm not going to say it right now because I'd rather not say their yeah. real name. Uh, but they were just so, I mean, this is funny because we, I feel, I always tell this, we spend way more time talking than actually shooting porn. You know, we would oh. talk about why we want to do this and how we want to do it. And, you know, the, I mean, the very first time in my life that I sat down and someone asked me, so what do you like? Like, what kind of sex do you want to have? You know, what you, were your boundaries? What would you like to do today? Was at this porn shoot, and I'm like, I don't know, because nobody ever asked me that. You know what I mean? And it's like we should do this in our private lives. Like we need to sit down and talk about it. But I'm like, there's such a lack of communication in our lives. We could learn so much from porn, where there's so much more communication about boundaries and what do you feel like and what do you want to do and how does this feel? Do you want more? You know? Yeah. First time I heard about you, I lived in Sweden, and it was through me discovering Lustery, which you also founded. Yes. Uh, so, what? How did the journey look like? So, what my journey was like? I started performing, and I, um, I, I was really lucky. I mean, Berlin was really cheap back then, so you could live on like a very tight budget. Uh, so, I how would, cheap? Spoil it. Spoiler, I think, I mean, this is like 2008, 2000, like before 2010, I, I mean, I was living very cheap, but I was living with like a thousand euros, a, um, like a thousand, no, wait, 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 a thousand euros a month was like, I felt like I was rich. I was like, you know, throwing all my money, inviting my friends to drinks. <laughs> it was crazy. And the thing is like, you know, I was performing in films that where I would earn like between 500 and 800 euros for a shoot. So I would just like shoot you know, three times a month and I could live for three months almost like with it. So it was perfect for me. I could do, it was a really, I mean, it's a, obviously a very privileged position, but I could do so much stuff and I could, I started working in film, not only in pornographic films, but in other films. Um, there's like a community in Berlin. It still is, but I feel back then it was bigger, but that's maybe because I wasn't there then. Um, you know, where we, it was like 
it was this economy where everyone would help each other with each other's projects. It was like, you're directing, I'll do catering. Next time, you know, I'm directing and you're doing production, whatever. It was like an exchange of, of, um, yeah, of services within this filmmaking. Um, and I had so much time to do that because I could live from the porn that I did. But that's how I started like doing more, well, no, first like catering and production and then director's assistance, blah, blah. And, um, up, up until like more directing and producing. Um, and then I was working back then I was working with a company that's called Erstis. Um, and I had a colleague in there and the idea of lastry kind of generated within this context. Cause we were like, here's the thing. I was doing a lot of porn that is so-called amateur porn, which I think the, the term amateur porn is a bit tricky because amateur actually means that, I mean, the, the original definition of amateur is that you're doing something that is not your job, right? It's like a hobby. Mm-hmm. But nowadays there's so much porn being called amateur porn that is produced professionally, like very professionally indeed. You know, and I was in a lot of shoots where it was supposed to be, I mean, we were selling this like quote unquote authentic sexuality, but there was a lot of rules. It was like, okay, you can't wear black and you can't wear makeup and you need to have a full bush and these practices, yes, and these others not. And I was like, I mean, it's totally fine. They paid well and it was great. But I was like, okay, this is not really what it's being marketed as. Like it's really a, it's a very staged performance, mm. which again, nothing wrong about it, but you know, it's not yeah. the real thing. So I was like, okay, how do we do this? Like, how do we show actually people's sex lives? Because the moment you put a camera in the room, it's not going to be the same thing as if it wasn't a camera. Yeah. And that's how the idea of last story came. Because we were like, well, okay, if you have a couple or a throuple, whatever, two people or three people that know each other, that have an ongoing relationship with each other and that um, have a sexual dialogue with each other. And you give them the camera in their hands and you're like, hey, make this part of your game, you know? Don't treat it as like an external thing, but just like shoot whatever you would do. You know, and there's no rules on like what you should do or not do. Um, just have fun, you know? And there's, I mean, there's a few rules on like, hey, it, should be, it shouldn't be super shaky and there is some quality. Things. Yeah, like let's, <laughs> Let's hear more about that because now we're into, like now we're talking about you as being, knowing how to be in front of the camera, but also behind the camera. Like what are the most important, um, important things you learned? Would you say? Oh, so many things. Um, I think one of the most important things that I've personally learned, and that, you know, I don't know if this applies to anyone else, but is that communication is the most important thing ever. Always, all the time. Do you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter as a performer in front of the camera or behind the camera. Like, if you, like, practice to communicate, you know, in a way that is honest, in a way that is, like, that you're trying really to communicate everything and really, and, and also listen, obviously, part of communication is listening to the other person, big part indeed. Um, I think that's the most important thing for a successful, you know, whatever it is, shoot or, I mean, everything in life really, but Mm. specifically sex and porn. Like that really, you know, for me, like as a performer, communicating with other performers is so important and finding like a way of communicating. It doesn't need to be, I mean, it needs to be verbal, but it's, but it's not just verbal. You know, it's also like nonverbal communication and how you communicate with your body. Yeah, 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 yeah. And behind the camera, specifically as yeah, both director or producer, I think the most important job of a producer 
Definitely. But I would also say of a director, it's like to make sure that you communicate in advance as much as possible, that people are completely, absolutely informed of everything. And Let's get into this even deeper. Okay. Because mm-hmm. this is something that I learned that we're like, that I am very interested in. So like, if, because you learned a lot, obviously, when you first walked in for your first shoot, but how do you work with the performers? Like, let's take it from start to finish. So for hard work, which is the most, you know, I want to say like the, the most, the, the shoots that we're producing with like a budget and a camera crew location. A little makeup. short recap on hard work. It's a gangbang-focused porn film company. Yes. That you created like a year ago or? Yeah, like uh, longer than a year ago, together with my partner, Rod Weiler. Yeah, that's a fun, that's also a fun story, that story. But but staying with the performers. (laughs) Let's go there later. Yeah, so the way we do it is like this. We only work with people that want to work with us. I mean, obviously, but, but what I mean what I mean by that is like we want people that are actually feel like enthusiastic about working with us and that they liked our concept, right? Um, and basically either we reach out or they reach out to us. And the first thing that happens is we send them a very long checklist that goes, I mean, it starts obviously with your name, your pronouns, your sexual orientation as a performer, your experience as a performer. And then it goes from kissing, you know, up to you know, penetration, double penetration, triple penetration, all kinds of kinks and whatnot, um, until like fantasies, you know, special places or references or even film or photography references that inspire you or excite you. And we let the performer fill this out and they need to tell us how much experience they have with a certain sexual practice and how much they would like to do it in the context of the porn shoot. So this gives us like kind of like a picture of this person and what they would possibly like. And then Rod and I sit down with it and think of possible ideas or concepts or scenarios or formats that would suit this person. Um, and then we pitch it to them. We have like a Zoom call or we meet for coffee or whatever. Can I ask, was this yeah. also a list that you have been using when you've been performing as well, like for the first performance? Or is this something that you incorporated within hard work? Yeah, no, this is something that I... Created. I based it on, I mean, there's a lot of perf- of this kind of list out there, <clears throat> especially in the BDSM scene. You know, there's, um, and there are similar lists that other productions use in the States mostly. I've seen them, but I guess also in Europe. Um, but we really, like, we've really, like, grabbed stuff from here and there, and we've created a list that works for us, like, specifically. But it's not some, so, yeah, we really build it. Like, it's not something that we took that I, I hadn't I hadn't filled such a list before actually. I think it's really useful. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's what we do. So when we have this picture of the person, like this idea, we we meet with them or talk to them and pitch them this concept that we thought about. And then we just, you know, we have a conversation and either the person like a lot of the times the people like it and they're like, Yeah, that sounds great. Let's do it. And then we talk, okay, who could be the other performers? And we, you know, we decide together. Uh, but in some we've had a few cases where the people were like no, that doesn't really sound like something I want to do. And we're like, oh, okay, well. Let's but you fit so well. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's perfect. <laughs> but then we, we come up with something else, you know? So it's really like a back and forth until we find something where the person is like, yeah, that sounds fun. You know, it sounds like a good shoot that I want to do and I want to see myself in it. 
Yeah, because uh, hard work, going back there, is also, uh, it's surrounded by the actor's sex fantasy. So yeah. it's a collaboration together with the main character also. Exactly. Well, in some way. But uh, speaking more of hard work, like how did that start? So because it's, yeah, it's a little bit more, or it's a pretty much more hardcore than Lustery. Yeah. That is like filmed by individual couples. Uh, and here it's more so a big production team and like the whole shebang. <laughs> the whole shebang, yeah, it is. And I think, um, I mean, I would love to hear actually like your opinion on this one. Yeah. Because for me, like I told you, like when I, you know, I come from this like thinking porny spot, right? And then I started, um, when I started performing myself, I was, I also had like really, um, like rules of what I would do and what I wouldn't do. And for example, one of the first rules was like, I wouldn't perform with men. I was like, I'm only doing queer porn mm. because there's enough of the other porn. You know, I had these ideas that were, you know, after like time after time, I started like questioning those ideas and being like, no, actually, no, that's not true to me. Mm. Like it doesn't. Yeah. I like, was like, I thought that was like politically the correct thing to do, or you know, I had like there were so many other factors that were influencing mm. my decisions. And like my journey has been one of discovering like, no, that doesn't that doesn't actually feel right with me. And maybe I wanna maybe I want to have sex on camera with cis male presenting people. Mm. Um, and so, and I think for me when I met Rod, um, it's funny because we met like on a dating app. Uh, and then the first conversation. Shout out Tinder. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. No, it wasn't Tinder. No. <laughs> but in the first time that we met, uh, we started talking about porn. And uh, and he told me that he had been shooting gangbangs for an ex-partner. Like, he was together with this person, and this person wanted to have a gangbang and wanted to record it. Because Rod is a film producer. Exactly. Rod is a filmmaker. Yeah. Filmmaker, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, and it was kind of like, you know, he made it like as a present, as a gift, which I think is a beautiful gift to a partner to organize a gangbang and, and film it just privately for her. But then he realized he really enjoyed filming it and organizing it and everything about it and he was like oh maybe we want to shoot gangbangs but he didn't have i mean he's not in the porn scene so he didn't have like the you know the network or the he didn't know what to do with it no basically. that's incredible like to that he organized all that without having the community yeah that must have been hard work it was i think it was hard work yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then so then he told me about this and for me it was like i've always had gangbang fantasies and I think I'm not the only one. No, exactly. This is like going back again to childhood memories. Like, but it's so right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even like before I ever seen it on porn. Like I didn't know what porn was. Back then you had fantasies about like, oh, well, maybe there was another. <laughs> yeah, but it is. I think, yeah, yeah it's so natural. It's it, so in our. There's something orgiastic and super mm. celebratory and sexual about this like group dynamic, right? And um, yeah, so but the thing is like, I mean, clearly if you say gangbang in like any social situation, everyone's like, <gasps> you know. It's yeah, like the word is dirty. It's like it's, dirty. it's like, uh, it's put dirt on. It's the, the worst. Exactly. It's kind of like, and especially like in a feminist and context. Exactly. It's like rape. Yeah. It must have been. <laughs> it must yeah. have been rape. Why? Which is because also a, a sex fantasy for 99% of the exactly. population. I don't know if 99, but the point. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know okay. where you got your numbers, but definitely a high number. <laughs> I just took them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it is. Exactly. And the thing is like, when he said it, I was like, oh my God, that that's it. That's the one thing that I haven't done yet that I haven't like, 
I wouldn't have even allowed myself to think about doing gangbangs because it felt so wrong because it was like, oh, no, I cannot reproduce this, you know, blah, la 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 And then I was like, oh, oh, definitely I can. Like, I can do whatever I want as long as it's consensual. And you this know? was a couple of years ago. Yeah, this was like two years ago. That's mm-hmm. when we met. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, I want in. Like, I want, like we're doing this together. <laughs> on the first date. Yeah, on the first date, literally. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. That's a good date. It was a good date. Like, let's start a business. I feel this. Yeah. <laughs> then you go home. Did you go home together also yeah, after this date? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, and that's how it started. <coughs> but it was really like, it really felt like this is something that I, you know, that I want to do. And I knew, and it is become true that so many people have a problem with it. And they're like, what are you doing? And like, mm. What is she saying? She's feminist and she's doing this hardcore gangbang porn. You know, yeah. a lot of people don't get it. Uh, but a lot of people do. Mm. And the people that do, they're like, oh my God, this is, ah, oh, you know, just brilliant. I love this. And I'm like, yes, this is why I'm doing it. And it's so liberating. Yeah, like yeah. speaking of people who don't understand it, where are your parents and like family? Spain. This? Yeah, they are located <laughs> in Spain, but like, are they accepting you and what you do? It's been a journey. Yeah. Yeah. I I relate to what you were saying at the very beginning, because mm. I am open to my parents and it's been a journey where we've had a lot of conversations and, you know, we've cried in each other's arms and we've suffered uh, but we've come to a point where there's a lot of understanding and support. Mm. And I'm really thankful for that. Uh, and I know that it hasn't been easy for them. Mm. Uh, because, you know, at the very beginning with your daughter... Are says they Catholic? Like, no, thanks God, no. <laughs> no, my f- my parents are atheists. Mm-hmm. So it was more about the, the this feminist approach of being like, oh, there's it's a horrible industry, mm. women are being Yeah, you exploited. brought up yeah. as a feminist. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that was tough. But I am so, it gives me so much hope. Like my mom is someone that, you know, she's over 60 and she keeps learning and she listens to me so much. It's amazing. Like every time, you know, we have a conversation, like I don't see her so often because she's living there and I'm here. And then, you know, I know that we'll have a conversation and then like, you know, three months later, I'll go to Madrid and then she's like, Oh, I found this book, and she's you know she was researching on it, and she act- and she's like, oh, I went to this. There was this master class in the whatever museum, and I thought it was really interesting. They were talking about queerness and blah, blah. and I'm like, an anti-racism, and I don't know a lot of stuff that I'm telling her, and I'm like, wow, you don't need to become an asshole when you grow up. You know what I mean? Mm. Like you can keep learning, like keep learning, keep yeah, exactly, yeah. keep evolving, keep evolving, and keep being like, okay, there's mm. you know, there's even if you were like an activist or whatever as a young person i see like so many like friends of my parents that were pretty radical when they were young and doing you know i don't know taking drugs being hippies whatever and now they're like over 60 and and they're like oh these youth nowadays they don't know anything and i'm like why don't you listen like it's so Mm. sad that you yourself were you know like we're telling your parents to listen when you were younger why are you not listening now Mm. to your children going back to the start of this talk we talked about the 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 judgmental or like the the feeling of being like shamed by yeah. masturbating and that this is obviously a conversation you had with your dad absolutely yeah because the i was telling you before like my dad told me when he was a kid i mean this was spain in the like 50s 60s it was very catholic it was a fascist dictature 
supported by the Catholic Church. Um, and my dad thought that if he masturbated, he would get blind. You know, he really believed because that's what he was told. Mm. And I'm like, this is not that much time ago. You know what I mean? Like, my dad is not so old. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, this is so close to us. And all of these feelings, I mean, we feel so liberated and so woke and whatever nowadays, but there's so much like super deep interiorized feelings of shame and guilt around sexuality. Um, and it's, I think it's a very long process to work through them and to, you know, dismantle all these ideas. And I think that's why I think that the work that you do, um, and I do as well, but <laughs> all the work that we're doing surrounding, like just talking openly about sex, talking openly about porn, about desires, about fantasies, it's so important because it's, we need this. Like we really, we need, like there's not enough talk it can never be there's so many like there's millennia <laughs> of years to dismantle and to like deconstruct for us to really do the deep work mm. of getting rid of those bad feelings yeah that makes us miserable you know yeah exactly but you were mentioning that it was uh, a big fuel for you to change this to like n- if you were an actress or actor you would be able to get any job even though you have performed in a porn film and this was kind of the fuel to st- that you started it yeah definitely like changing yeah absolutely like being like i want to change this discourse i want to change the status quo yeah <laughs> and i can like within a lot of things there's always like the goal on top of the head like this is what i'm doing but then in reality there are so many things you don't think about like there are the struggles so if we look at your like entrepreneurial journey within being a filmmaker and a producer and screenwriter and everything you do, what are some of the some some of the stepping stones you've been walking on? So many. I think if I would have, I always say this, like if I would have known everything I know now, like years ago, I wonder if I would have actually done it, <laughs> because this is a this is a tough part. I mean, here's the thing: being an entrepreneur means insecurity right because you're risking things you're you're believing in something and you're doing a lot a lot a lot a lot of work to make it happen and to make it you know a sustainable business Mm. uh but it's a lot of work and you're on your own and nobody's giving you a security you know when you have a job like if you're a civil servant (laughs) ideally or or have some other secure job then you know okay at the end of the month you're getting paid if you're an entrepreneur it's like you need you need to figure it out Right, and the thing with porn specifically is that it's so much harder because there are so many resources that are not available to us, and not for any legal reason. Because, like, I mean, porn is uh, it's not it's legal. It's completely okay to you know legal to do porn in Germany, in Spain, in these countries. Um, But a lot of companies, specifically U.S. corporations, of course, they just won't work with us because. Mm -hmm it doesn't align with their own moral whatever understanding or because they think that having those kinds of clients is going to scare off other clients or maybe, you know, have a religious background. Mm. And that's really unfair. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I'm just going to name a few examples because I think it's so people don't th- know or don't think about it. Like PayPal. PayPal doesn't work with the adult industry. They just won't. Mm. Or MailChimp, even like, you know, sending out newsletters. They want, if they, if you put word porn or sex in your newsletters and then they will, they will flag, they will look at you, you're a porn company, they will delete 
all of your content, all of your email addresses without notice. I mean, like, boom, you're gone. And that's just like two very, very simple examples. That's so crazy. Like, like, even now, when we, we did uh, put out an episode on YouTube where we had a link, like, a podcast episode with Simon Tar, the KitKat founder, and uh, YouTube was immediately like, it's del- deleting the video. Yeah. Uh, because it, of the Lastery link. Ah, you had the Lastery link in there. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I should have warned you. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, we are also walking on these, like in these yeah. traps all the time. Like it's, we had account like instagram account deleted it's always a strike and we are not even close to doing what you do but it's still like people are like it's it's a mind like it's a field of minds absolutely and this is the thing like mm. this is what people also don't understand like it's not just us i mean it's bad that Mm. it's us you know but the thing is yeah it's people you know like you that are putting out content that is absolutely non explicit and non-graphic it's also sex educators yes you know it's Mm. sex professionals that are putting out valuable information out there they're being banned like instagram not to speak of tiktok it's like some of the most sex phobic or like anti-sex places there are and they're huge there's so many people in there like so much of our lives unfortunately or whatever this is the state of things happens in these spaces Mm. and we are being banned and like you know discriminated against shadow banned like our content you know, our accounts being deleted. It's really not okay. Like, it's yeah, a rampant discrimination. I it should. is, for sure. Yeah. And when it's not being deleted, it's being, like, shadow banned, so you don't yeah. reach anyone. And this is also something I'm so fed up with. Like, I don't feel like putting, like, censoring all we put out. So, actually, it's so I, I'm like, okay, maybe we're not going to reach so many, but I'm just going to, like, keep on doing it because this, like, if you read on the guidelines on some of these platforms... They say nothing about the language, yet they're blocking you. Yeah. So it's just like pff, fucking well, tiring. That's the problem. It's so it's so interesting because when you look at Instagram or TikTok, it's even worse. And you see like every text that has the word sex is written like zegs or like S plus X or like, and it's like, I mean, where are we living? We're living in a world where we're censoring the word sex, sexuality, desire. You know, it's like, mm. this is worse than, this is in some I mean, of course, there's so many things that are so much better in society. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to like relativize that. I'm super thankful for so many liberties that we have. But like, if you look at social media in certain spaces, it's like, what, where are we? Like, this is rampant censorship. It's really, it's really bad. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels like, you know, I mean, history is not linear. Like, there's like ups and downs, and things are complicated and complex. But I'm scared sometimes. And we're like, where is this going? Like, you know, there is new laws coming. There's huge, huge religious lobbies right now. I mean, this goes all the way, obviously, to like abortion and all of these things that are happening in the, the US. And this is not a coincidence. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. these are like the way Apple or the App Store uh, work and the way the terms and conditions are completely, as you're saying, they're completely intransparent. You cannot, uh, you know, you get deleted even if you follow the rules. You cannot... Uh, like contest that decision up to like people being deprived of their bodily autonomy to decide um, you know for the right of abortion like that is linked that is not just like things happening in a vacuum like that is this is the context that we're living and I think it's crucial that we understand this and that we have an awareness that we need to keep fighting for our sexual and bodily rights 
so that is definitely like one of the downsides of the industry, the fight. But what are some of the positive things that you've been experiencing? I think what I what I'm most thankful for, I think, working in this is uh, the people. I think I've met so many people that are yeah open minded, bringing new perspectives. It's really fun to be around and where I can be myself. So I think I would say that's like the the most the most beautiful part of this industry, to be honest. Yeah. And it feels like a good filter actually for some other people. You know, when I tell a working point and people are like oh, awkward and weird and like, like bye yeah, and I'm like, Yeah, okay, you know what, maybe we're just not <laughs> meant for <Yeah>. each other. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's yeah. good. That's really good one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's a life hack for people who who are coming new to to a city. Yeah. If you are like open minded, say you work with something explicit, yeah. and then you filter out the people that are like boring. <laughs> 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 okay. Um, now we have come to the extra material. Now we have come to the part of the podcast where if you're a Patreon, you get to dwell in the masterclass of Paulita Pappel, where she goes deeper into her pro tips to anyone who's interested in getting involved in the business. Her biggest lesson since she got started, and we also talk some about the difference on what porn works for women versus men. To find out more, go to patreon.com slash playful magazine. It's either this or it's that. This is this or that. So yeah, so we have a few this or that questions because I was all again crumbling my papers. <laughs> um, so you answer either this or that. Super easy. Okay. Uh, work vacation or work free holiday? <gasps> work vacation. This is so interesting. This is, is like a blessing with all the fight that you go through as an as a person who starts your own company. It's like yeah. The blessing like the perks is that you at least hopefully if you start something you're interested in, you want to do it and you're excited to like bring it to new destinations. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, uh, polygamy or monogamy? Oh, 100% polygamy. <laughs> Instagram or Twitter? Hmm, good question. I want to say Twitter because just because I mean, f- first and foremost, because it's uh, because porn is allowed, right? And that's a huge difference. And Instagram is super. The algorithm is just sex, like anti-sex, anti-it's uh, fat phobic, it's racist, it's everything. It's horrible. Um, but that might change. Exactly. Do you think it's going to change now that Elon Musk is? Well, it's not only Elon, Ma- like Elon Musk, the whole Elon Musk thing, I don't know. But the the real problem <laughs> is that the UK is trying again to pass a law that they already tried to pass in 2018, but it didn't work out because the law was so bad that it was like, we can't like actually pass this law because it's not actionable. But they're trying it again, and it's the online safety bill. They call it safety because it sounds like a good thing, right? You're like, oh, of course, we want to be safe. Nobody would argue with that. Yeah. Right? But um, Smart. Yeah, they're clever. Um, but basically what it is about is about censorship. And it's about, I mean, it's not only about porn. It has also other fields that I'm not versing because I haven't been looking at it. Obviously, I've been only looking at the part that affects me. But basically, they're saying everything that contains, you know, pornographic material needs to be behind an age verification wall. Which first sounds reasonable because you're like, yeah, okay, that sounds reasonable. But the fact is the implications that that has is way, way complicated. 
So, for example, um, it would mean that Twitter has to decide if they ban any kind of pornographic image or they put an age verification for making an account. How old? 16 or 18? or Well, 18. 18. I mean, they could mm-hmm. still... Oh, I don't know if they could still have people under 16 but no show them. I'm not sure about the okay. specifics. Yeah. But still, the thing is, Twitter is not going to do it as long because if there's Instagram and TikTok and na 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 that don't do it, mm. you know, it's a matter of like if something is not when you're talking about a platform that is being used by like millions and millions and millions of people, and these are huge corporations that are fighting against each other for the traffic and for the market, mm. they're not gonna do something that is gonna hurt hurt like their their business obviously, mm, yeah. and like implementing such a like something that is such a change, it's tough. Yeah, and you know what's the easiest? Ban sex workers, yeah. ban pornography. So we're all, you know. So that's what I mean. Like we don't know what's gonna happen. Spe- yeah, that's Sorry. what happened with Tumblr, right? Exactly. I was just gonna say. Speaking of uh, what happened with uh, um, OnlyFans, OnlyFans was a with a complete like it was a weird case to be honest. I don't know. Yeah. I've been listening to podcasts and interviews also with the CEO and stuff, and I don't. I don't think that I know the truth of what happened. I don't know if anyone really knows other than the people that were really involved. But like, long story short, as far as I know, it was like they were trying to get more funding. The banks had a problem with the amount of porn that was on OnlyFans because clearly OnlyFans like, became big because of porn performers and sex workers that, especially during the, pandemi- during the pandemic, went on OnlyFans. Um, and then they decided, okay, we're not, we cannot you know, upscale our business with the porn. So let's get rid of porn. And then there was such a big uproar. And it was for the first time in years that the media was kind of like on the side of sex workers because for a long time, the whole discussion had been against like porn platforms and Pornhub and so on. It was, and the the bad guys was always like the big porn corporations. Mm. But now suddenly it changed because it was like, this was about like, sex workers, like not big corporations, but like individuals, mm. you know, trying to make a living throughout a really difficult time. There was a pandemic and, and this platform was deep platforming them, like, you know, kicking them out and like endangering their livelihood. And then suddenly the media was like, oh, it's a horrible thing to do, actually. And then after three, they sent out an email being like, okay, you need to go because we don't have porn anymore. And then three days later, we're like, oh, okay, we take it back. <laughs> you can be here. <laughs> Because apparently they had no one left on their platform. Apparently, I again, I don't. I know that I don't know the truth because you never know. Mm. But this could have all been a huge press stunt. Like, who knows? Uh, yeah. I mean, who knows? I really yeah, don't know. Knows, yeah. But apparently, it's like no. It was a it was a problem with the bank, and the moment that they had all of this pressure and all of this press, the bank either I don't know. I remember if they, they like got another bank uh. or the bank was like, oh, it's okay. But I can tell you, like, the problem with the banks is that they're really anti-porn. And in order for, for me, for example, or for anyone else <coughs> to sell their porn online, you have to have, you have to work with banks. There's no way. I mean, other, you can be go on crypto, but nobody uses crypto. No, you yeah. can't go and buy milk with crypto. No, exactly. And like you could do it, but it doesn't make, you know, then you would have like this segment of society that would buy your porn. If you want to, you know, access like more wider mm. audience, like you need to have a payment processor. <coughs> Sorry. Mm. you need to work with Visa and MasterCard. And Visa and MasterCard are the corporations that are telling you what is okay and what is not okay to show in porn, which mm. is ridiculous. Mm. 
Sorry, this really went off. No, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I, I love it. I, I anyway wanted to talk about this. I was very interested. Um, okay. Uh, perform or produce? Ooh, that's a tough one. Produce, I'm going to say, because it's what I do and what I love. But are you also in a film from by hard work recent yes. ones pretty recent or? i am but we can't publish it what i know it's horrible you want to hear the story yes okay this is what happened uh i had been doing like you know last year for a while which is like loving couples super i mean they do king stuff but it's still like you know it's all it's yeah it's it's loving couples right um and then i started doing gangbangs and i was like i'm gonna do my gangbang And I was like, it's gonna be my fantasy. And Bling stars in the eyes. Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, finally. And I was like, I'm gonna hire the perfect actor that I'm gonna course. fulfill my sex fantasy. Exactly. Ooh, yeah. It was like, I'm gonna literally stage my biggest sex fantasy, which of course was a kidnap and rape fantasy. <laughs> and it was the funniest day of my life. And it's like an homage, not an homage, but it's like a laugh on Reservoir Dogs by Tarantino. It's like basically I get kidnapped and it's like this gangbang and then everyone gets killed. Like people start like, at the end everyone gets killed but me, obviously. And I survive. Oh and no. there but there's like a lot of blood <laughs> and there's like Oh my god, I it's, must see this. Um, it's hilarious, but it's like it's really I mean it's like it's not I mean it's clearly a film. Like it, there's not a second where you think, Oh, this is real or something. No, no, no. No, 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 no. It's like it's like It's it's funny, like you know, it's this that you have a you have a a, a gun that that goes off and it's like the brains go like yeah, yeah. and then he, he falls on the other guy and the guy was like it was a simple job man and like you know it's like it's funny oh my god like, it's amazing yeah. it's like B movie it's really funny um, well I can't publish it because you can't there's blood and blood is completely off limits because Visa and Mastercard don't allow for blood not <gasps> even menstrual blood what I know. Let's take a moment to acknowledge it. Visa and MasterCard don't allow for menstrual blood on porn. So my film was like off limits. And then there's uh, there's violence, which is also not officially allowed. Like this whole this whole like rape fantasy is like you're in a really gray area. And if you have a legit payment provider, you can't have it. Okay. And, and yeah. So are there any problem. other providers that you are considering to <laughs> release this great movie that we all want to see? Or <laughs> I don't. I don't know. What can we expect for 2022? I don't, I don't know yet what I'm gonna do with. It. I was thinking about doing a documentary out of it, mm -hmm. so kind of like presented like a documentary, but oh. still show it, and I'll show the absurdity of it. You know, like it's like in a film, like take any war film. You're seeing murder. You're seeing blood. You're seeing violence. You're seeing like, I mean, humanity crimes. You know, and that's okay because it's a film. Mm. But if it's a porn, you can't show it. Which is ridiculous because it's like treating humans or like people's sexualities like like children. You know, being mm. like, oh no, this is wrong. You can't watch it because you can't differentiate between like fiction and fantasy. And it's like, no, as an adult, you should be able to differentiate. If you cannot differentiate, then there's some other problems there. It yeah. should be addressed, you know? Like exactly. They could problems. put <laughs> the laws and say, unless... Oh, like... <laughs> The whole law process if it's is consensual. So, exactly. If it's consensual, it's okay. Yeah, okay, you're right. Ugh, smart. I've been thinking you about this for a while. Put you in the position. <laughs> Please. We need smart people. Mm. They okay. just need, you know, politicians just need to listen to us. Like, there's so much, like, porn is such a good example of, like, how there's being legislation done 
without talking to the people that work mm. in it. You know, there's like, oh, oh yeah, this is the thing they all make, the time. All the time they make these laws and then we're like, uh, that doesn't make any sense. And they're like, mm. well, they don't know because they don't know nothing about the industry. And they just be, it's like if, you know, it wouldn't happen for another industry. Imagine like politicians would make laws that were like super absurd for cars. And they would be like, okay, cars from now on need to have like this, like, I don't know, like they need to fly. Yeah, and then you're like, you're like, no, but we can't. Like that would be really like that doesn't make any sense. And then we like, have to no. remake everything. But well, they're yeah. gonna fly. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like no, you need to sit down and talk with the industry and be like, okay, what is what's the limitations? What's the problem? What's the option? Or like for to to make it more relevant, it's basically like the laws right now. Like we're not gonna produce any petrol cars right. after year twenty thirty five. Of course, they have been talking to the companies and the yeah. the people who are like specialists within the field to know why 35 why do we have to push the market until then can we yeah. do it tomorrow yeah. can we not end it tomorrow yeah. and what are they doing they're like sponsoring electric cars they're giving money into the industry so now if you have a business and you got an electric car you get such like discounts on your taxes and blah blah that it's super worth it so they're not banning they're not banning the cars they're fostering and they're like you know supporting the other cars and that's what they should be doing they should be supporting the eat porn industry so that it is a safer place a better place a more diverse place you know that's what you do if you do want to see a pro if you want to elevate the quality of a product you put money into it you know you don't ban it yeah yes and it's a freaking <laughs> thank you so much yeah. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.